The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn presents. Think of the idea of ending racism as a metaphor for an immune system. So in order to have a healthy immune system, we can't just fight sickness. We must also be proactive in cultivating wellness and good health. Look at ending racism the same way. We are not fighting racism. We are changing the conditions and context in which racism occurs. Hi, everyone. This is The Next Big Idea Daily, and I'm your host, Michael Kavnat. Now, I don't know how much you think about racism, but there's no question that it has a long and ugly history in this country. But rather than interrogate the past, what if we projected ourselves into the future? What if we dared to imagine a future without racism and then reverse engineered it to try to figure out what we can do today to achieve that reality? That's the innovative approach taken by Justin Michael Williams and Shelley Tegelski in their new book, How We Ended Racism, Realizing a New Possibility in One Generation. Justin is a recording artist and the host of the podcast, Motivation for Black People. Shelley is a mindfulness teacher and founder of the organization, Pandemic of Love. Here they are to share their big ideas on how we can get from here to there. I'm Shelley Tegelski. And I'm Justin Michael Williams. And we are so excited to share with you today the five big ideas from our co-authored book, How We Ended Racism, Realizing a New Possibility in One Generation. Being anti will never work. Fighting against racism will never work. It will only fight back. We must be fighting for something rather than fighting against something. When we are fighting against something, we often become even more disconnected from one another than when we started because our only tether to one another is the problem itself. In fighting against a problem, it's only a matter of time before we end up fighting each other, arguing over whose way of fighting the problem is better or more important. In this case, which is modeled many times throughout history, The persistence of the circumstance prevails and we end up torn apart from one another. But using the model in our book, which we call creating from the future, we can instead create a future that is worth fighting for. Creating a future vision of a world without racism will give us something to walk toward instead of just focusing on what we're fighting against or running away from. And although we all may have different ideas on exactly how to get there, the vision of a world without racism must be our anchor. Big idea number two, you can't fix racism, but ending it is possible. Think about it. What the heck is fixed racism anyway? Let us be clear. You don't fix racism. You don't improve racism. You don't make it better. You end it. In our book, we share in a practical way that's learned from anthropology, neuroscience, sociology, and psychology 
that racism is not some automatic human condition that we're born with. And although it's hard for us to imagine, racism is not something that's unavoidable. It's not something that just happens as a result of putting a bunch of diverse people on a planet together. This is not our idea or opinion. It is widely respected and proven by science that racism itself is not a given. In our research and focus groups, we discovered the eight pillars of possibility, which are the eight conditions that would need to arise in society for racism to end. Understanding that racism is not unavoidable is key. The idea that racism is unavoidable would be like saying the Holocaust was unavoidable or that American slavery was unavoidable, or that refusing the LGBTQIA community the right to marry was unavoidable. There's a real danger in saying something is unavoidable because we immediately absolve ourselves of taking responsibility to change it and allowing things to go on for far longer than they need to or should. In our work, we teach people how to move beyond their skepticism to a deeper, more purposeful and nuanced form of truth. Big idea number three, we must build our cultural immune system. Think of the idea of ending racism as a metaphor for an immune system. So in order to have a healthy immune system, we can't just fight sickness. We must also be proactive in cultivating wellness and good health. We invest in our health and well-being to build what the mindful researcher Dr. Amishi Jha calls pre-covery and presilience, so that when we encounter something toxic, our immune system is strong enough to fight it off. Thus, by cultivating health, not just fighting sickness, we are changing the conditions and context in which sickness tries to occur. Look at ending racism the same way. We are not fighting racism. We are changing the conditions and context in which racism occurs. We must evolve our culture to be one that has an even better equipped immune system to hold competing ideals. One that has practices, knowledge, and systems in place that make it hard for racism to show up. And when and if it does, the immune system of our culture will be strong enough to handle it. The conditions we offer and teach in our book help create a culture, whether that culture is a company or a family or a community or a country or a society, but a culture that is strong enough to handle racism in a way that does not leave us in shambles, more distrusting of one another, or more divided. This is how we become the conditions required for racism to end. We, each of us, individually and collectively, are the end of racism. It's like you're a healthy immune cell in this system. When racism touches you, it ends. And if enough of us learn the skills needed to take them into our individual areas of influence, with all of our fields of expertise, into all of our circles, whether it's politics and activism or family or teaching in school or business or art or entertainment or wherever your areas of influences are. If we take this into all of our relationships, we can and will end racism together.
Big idea number four, you don't have to be ashamed of your privilege. Contrary to popular belief, in many anti-racist and bias trainings, your privilege is not something to be ashamed of or silent about. We see it, instead, as your most authentic entry point to help the movement for change. If you are lucky enough to get out of a burning house before the fire department arrives and there are still others trapped inside the flames, your responsibility is to grab a hose and start dousing the house with water. Having privilege gives you the opportunity to hold more hoses. But most of us have been so ashamed of our privilege that we choose to hide it. Thus, instead of getting out of the burning house and helping to douse the raging fire, we play small and pretend that we can't hold any more hoses because we don't want to look too privileged or make it all about us. In the meantime, the house is burning down with people trapped inside. Another way to understand this perspective on privilege is cross-generationally. We, Justin and Shelley, grew up with a significant level of struggle with Justin in a biracial, low-income household, and myself as a Jewish immigrant. We both have worked hard to create better lives for ourselves and our families. Thus, our children, we anticipate, would be far more privileged than us. Of course, we wouldn't want our kids to be ashamed of that because we worked hard for them. Our task is not to raise children without privilege or who learn to hide it, but instead to raise our children into a culture that is actively ending racism so that they can be the first children to never question whether they should hold hoses when they see a burning house. They will inherently understand that they have a moral responsibility to hold as many as their privilege allows them to hold, and they would take pride in helping as much as they can. By taking this compassionate approach, we reorient our relationship from thinking privilege is something negative or something we should hide or be ashamed of, and instead, we see it as a springboard to use our privilege, regardless of how we got it, as an access point to being of greater service. And big idea number five, messy conversations are essential and you got to know how to have them. The best conversation skill we can teach you from our book is the difference between calling out and calling forward. First, let's make some distinctions here. Calling out means publicly naming a wrong, an infraction, or a mistake. But calling out is what leads to cancel culture. And cancel culture is ineffective and divides us further, as we've all seen. The problem is that calling out typically gets infused with shame, blame, and guilt. Yet it's well-documented in studies in the fields of psychology, anthropology, sociology, and even neuroscience that shaming, blaming, and guilting someone shuts down the center of their brain that's responsible for learning and growth. Here's a question you can ask yourself as a litmus test prior to having any difficult conversation. Do I want to be heard or do I want to be effective? You must be brutally honest with yourself about your true intentions. Because if you use the tactics of shame, blame, and guilt, regardless of how horrible someone could have made you feel, what that does is it blocks the ability for the person you're speaking with to actively listen and stunts the capacity for them to learn. Calling forward, on the other hand, 
is a model of communication that we coined several years ago that flips the idea of calling out on its head and turns it into something more effective for bringing people together. While calling out is fighting against what someone did wrong, calling forward is an invitation to be something greater. While calling out is fighting against what we hate, calling forward is building upon what we love. Calling forward is inviting people into a greater state of integration and evolution. Thank you, Justin and Shelley. Everyone, if you don't already have it, our app is full of tons of good ideas on social justice and other issues. Just look for the next big idea in your app store. And come back tomorrow. We'll wrap up the week with some big ideas from the book Needy, How to Advocate for Your Needs and Claim Your Sovereignty. I'm Michael Kovnett. See you tomorrow.